You are listening to Social Groove on Red Podcast. Namaskar. Welcome to the latest episode of Social Groove, the podcast from Red FM that covers socially conscious people, issues and activities by talking to those who make positive social change happen. I am Madhav Narayanan, your host, and with me is Meena Vaidyanathan, who runs Niti Consulting, a company that plays an active role as a catalyst on development issues. Today, we look at something that looks up like bad news, but actually it can be good news if we only know how. Listen up. This is a story about how waste can be turned into wealth if we only show the will to organize things the right way. You know, economic growth is great when we see factories, skyscrapers, restaurants, malls and fancy apartment blocks. But what happens to the waste generated by industries and households as India moves up the ladder of prosperity? From food pe- from fruit peels to plastic packets, discarded electronic parts and dangerous medical waste in the form of syringes, masks and protection kit used by healthcare professionals. There's a lot of waste in India adding up annually to 62 million tons such waste could be turned into wealth if we only know how by doing it properly in terms of segregation management and treatment sadly we have barely scratched the surface there are success stories that need to be emulated on a large scale and best practices that need to be uh, spread so that people learn from each other on how to do all this Uh, you know the 62 million tons that you talked about madhavan per person we actually generate much less uh, waste let's say than com- when compared with america but because we don't manage it properly we have horrible mountains of trouble ahead if you don't watch out if waste materials are left untreated and if dump sites are say 10 meters in height india will need 5454 square kilometers or one third of the area of delhi to house its dump sites we have had ugly news from gazipur in delhi and deonar in mumbai that have turned into monstrosities that spread foul smell hazardous fire and possible disease enter waste to energy plants though china has already shown the way and fast forward itself with 300 such plants to turn waste into wealth The Beijing government plans to turn one third of the nation's garbage into raw material for energy by 2030. In contrast, India has only six such plants. Interesting, uh, you say that, Meena. But of course, the story may be very different in India because uh, India seems to have its own priorities, and uh, nothing is as easy as it looks. Uh, and that's why uh, we have to start looking at uh, the picture deeper. Let's look at. the swachh bharat abhiyan that the government of india has launched it aims to build a nation that is committed to cleanliness and hygiene it's a great idea but we need to look beyond quick fix toilets and moral appeals for social work and one person who's been thinking of a swachh bharat long before the term became fashionable is bharati chaturvedi you know bharati is an old friend who i first met when she was an art critic which she still is in some ways when not admiring or writing about beautiful paintings or feathered birds bharti can be found in the company of rat pickers actually uh and uh, in congested slums and uh, you heard that right you know uh, an art lover who also likes to go to slums and look at waste urban waste management has been a passion for bharti 
who's the founder of Chintan Environmental Research and Action Group, an NGO that uses waste as a tool to fight poverty, child labor, and also climate change. Talk about green livelihoods. Bharti writes widely on environmental issues for India's leading publications using her scholarship and on-ground experience. Although she studied history at Delhi University, uh, she went on to uh, get a master's degree in public policy from Johns Hopkins University in the U.S. And thanks to the work she's been doing at the grassroots level with uh, waste pickers, she found herself in the company of Secretary of State Hillary Clinton when she received uh, the first ever innovation award for empowerment of women and girls funded by the Rockefeller Foundation. Welcome to Social Group, Bharti. Great to have you with us. Well, today we're going to focus on Swachh Bharat, but uh, my recollection is you started something like Swachh Bharat long before the term became fashionable. But, uh, let's start at the beginning. Do you think it's uh, making a big difference to India, is a real difference to India, the Swachh Bharat? What's your take on this? Well, I actually think it is. It is making a difference and a big difference. I think many, many people in this country try to do work around consumption, about justice, equity, access to resources, sustainability. But I think what Swachh Bharat did is uh, because it has a very specific and almost a nationwide mandate and it comes straight from the prime minister. So what happens is that institutionally, uh, many, many kinds of things change in a way that individuals and NGOs never, never really could. I think it's made a bit difference. I, I find it really good because um, I find even today, and now we're like quite a few years away from when Swachh Bharat started, but even today, people will call up and say, hey, uh, we're not segregating and uh, make sure that 400 people will start. I know that A-Block Saket has just started and fabulous hats off to them and uh, people like that. So I believe that there's been an understanding about fundamentally being responsible about consumption, about waste, about including people who are your waste collectors, waste pickers. So I believe that it has been actually very high impact and I'm hoping that that will continue and the impact will expand over time. That's very good to hear, Bharti. But uh, in terms of waste segregation, we do see pockets of people starting to be more aware and actually practicing waste segregation. But has it seen widespread traction uh, across board? Uh, what is your view? Yeah, I, uh, you know, you should never really judge what's happening in the country by being in Delhi because uh, it's such a spoilt little ivory tower. There are so many cities you can go to today where and towns and uh, villages. I mean, you have villages in Uttaranchal which are segregating waste. You have most of Pune that is segregating waste. Uh, large, you know, hundreds of thousands of households and colonies in Bangalore. Um, and of course, there are these places which are much smaller. I think what goes wrong is that if you live in a place where people don't segregate waste, then you straight away say, you know, my city is useless. But point is not that your city is useless, your immediate neighborhood is useless. And I think it's important for people in Delhi to understand how amazing, for example, Kochi is, Tiruvananthapuram is, so many of these places actually segregating their waste and doing a great job. Uh, but spoilt Delhi doesn't do it because our municipality is too scared to stop picking up our waste and punish us. The others aren't so timid 
and uh, there's also much more of a citizens involvement and municipal involvement and councillors are very involved in other cities that's what we've seen that elected representatives at the grassroots level do understand the importance and they do go out um, and push it but you know bharti let me be a little uh, realistic on this isn't that an economic cost to segregation don't you think it's a good idea for companies or the government to actually buy waste because ultimately citizens participation cannot function in an uh, when there is an economics to it you know it's like so i believe for instance sweden is short of waste and is actually importing more than a million tons of rubbish every year because it's good at recycling so why can't we commercialize this a bit more so two things first of all sweden is not recycling it's incinerating mm-hmm. and incineration is not only a very undesirable technology as a way to handle your paper and cardboard and plastics it's also actually quite toxic and what sweden does is that it controls the toxicity but it's a, at a huge cost they don't have kabadi walas like we do in india and i think each country has to work on its own strengths so germany does such an extraordinary segregation because it's a society where people grumble and they protest but then they follow the law in the end now what what happens in india is that high value waste we anyway give away to you know kabadis who come on cycles you sell your newspapers and your um, bottles and so on but then you have uh, the waste pickers who come from door to door and they're waste workers and they pick up the rest i mean we have the highest levels of segre- uh, of recycling in the world thanks to these people i think there's a subsidy there that we need to recognize rather than a cost because in any other country and forget country even in bangalore people are talking about you know the waste system in many commercial areas is that we'll pay you a flat fee and then we'll pay you according to how much you throw which is a concept called pay as you throw you actually pay for your waste in india it's uh, it's more or less the opposite except for these pockets in bangalore where people come we give them those 100 bucks a month they'll take away our waste they'll hyper segregate it uh, which would be shocking to a german who came straight from berlin and saw this happening because in berlin you have to do this yourself and then you would come back uh, then they take it they recycle it and that's their livelihood and um, otherwise who's going to pay them money who's going to find them jobs that is a really big expense and in fact i think because we don't segregate our waste they put their hands into a mixture of diapers and sanitary napkins and uh, pet bottles and it's completely disgusting and they pay the cost of our poor segregation there is no other cost to segregation except the health and the mental well-being and the dignity of the poor a very very important point that you talk about bharti uh, and i know chintan does a lot of work in training uh, and looking after uh, the well-being waste pickers if Uh, they are sort of really the foundation of how india manages its waste what kind of solutions are possible to improve their formal grounding and you know just making sure that they as a community thrive and because of that it is managed better so i think the first thing is that they need access to waste you cannot have these little vehicles running all over and that is the bane of our city in delhi you cannot have these vehicles running all over you know and mixed waste being tossed into these vehicles uh, and um, uh, you know you have these tipper trucks which come with music and then that is your idea of doorstep collection 
whereas um, if you look at in many parts of delhi including both poor and wealthy parts you have waste pickers they go door to door they waste collectors they'll ring your bell or they'll blow a whistle and they'll pick up your waste segregated and that's how it should be and in fact the one level even better than that is that you seg- compost your own waste at home and learn to give red bag waste which is diapers and hazardous medicine and um, all of that kind of stuff separately and your dry waste separately so that your waste can just be properly uh, recycled and it doesn't contaminate each other that is the whole point uh, which brings me to the point and through this podcast let's just talk about what kind of waste can be processed and what it what cannot so first of all just quickly about the waste pickers we'll um, i think first of all they have to be allowed you can't have these tipper trucks you should have micro enterprises of waste pickers look at how well bangalore is done look at how well aurangabad is done look at how well uh, cities like even something like dhanolti uh, which is a lovely little holiday spot tiny little place even they've managed a doorstep collection and it's freezing cold uh, sometimes and uh, rains like crazy and even they have waste workers with a truck what we really need is these micro enterprises so that waste pickers can pick up the waste secondly we need spaces for them to segregate and thirdly at this point in the economy we need to inject some more money into the recycling industry particularly the plastic recycling industry because um, after the oil prices crashed there's a very poor market left for recycling of plastics and we don't want all of that leaking into our rivers and our oceans just because there's no use for it and um, essentially waste pickers also need recognition from the public you need to have a place where you can wash your hands you need to be able to give them health security which they don't have currently it's not good enough to say every big hospital in cities is open to everybody because we know that access is not equal and these are people who do green jobs for us and i think the least we can do is to ensure that they uh, they have dignity and safety in their work yeah uh, bhati i think uh, that reminds me you know you talked about micro enterprises but i think uh, it might make more sense perhaps to have a larger company you know if you have amazon delivery boys or flipkart delivery boys coming or like pizza people coming to deliver why can't we have let's say a branded company that processes uh, you know segregated waste for a cost and uh, and then taking them to uh, actual processing please do you think it's a good idea uh, yeah actually people can uh, in delhi we have pick my trash mm-hmm. so you can call pick my trash uh, i'll pull out the number from my cell phone if you like later Mm-hmm. and uh, they'll come and pick up recyclable waste in particular and it's actually run by waste pickers mm-hmm. with some help from chintan um, mm-hmm. you know three young people will show up uh, one of three and mm-hmm. um, pick up your electronic waste your plastic your broken tables and all kinds of waste and uh, they'll even ask you if, if you prefer that they reuse it rather than just recycle it so a lot of people say just reuse this we don't really care and people do that uh, with broken furniture they repair it and things like that yeah we also know of goonj which collects all sorts of waste but let's look at the other end bhati of actual processing of the stuff once the waste is collected and segregated uh, i believe india is sort of waste processing plant so what's stopping entrepreneurs from setting up you know if you can set up e-commerce companies even pick your trash why not have more waste processing plants at accessible distances have you looked at that space and what's holding us up yeah there? so we we are not short of um, waste processing plants so pick my trash 
we'll tie up with recyclers and give them the waste. But what happens with waste processing, what I think you mean is the waste to energy plants. Now, yeah, the problem right. with waste to energy is I think the best waste to energy plant is also uh, hideously below any standards, which is in Okla. I mean, it's extremely toxic. People in that Sukhdev Vihar area even now complain about fallouts, which are little white pieces of ash everywhere. It is monitored only once in four months, which means that it can do what it likes before the monitoring and after the monitoring in the rest of the months. And for, above all, it's the wrong way to handle plastics. It's the wrong way to handle cartons, paper, because all these things can be recycled and they should be recycled rather than converted into energy, which is very expensive and needs a subsidy. I mean, here we are trying to move towards a model which is sustainable, where climate change is limited. And in fact, even some of these plants, uh, there's a generic uh, move in government of India as well, where they realize that this is not the most viable. And in the history of India, last 20 years, plant after plant has shut down. It doesn't work. It's not economically viable. And the most important thing is that the recycling, where it exists, and we do have um, now increasingly new types of uses for materials. We, we, we can't. Uh, so this goes for recycling, which is a far more uh, sustainable and a higher priority for any material compared to waste to energy. So there has been that question asked both in policy circles and by people in the technology space saying, why are we, why are we applying our minds and our technologies to build these waste to energy plants, which are poisoning people, which have such severe health impacts and which above all are doing the wrong things with the materials that we discard. Uh, Bharti, I know Chintan had uh, in the past also, and you continue to research and identify ways in which waste processing can make economic sense, you know, have larger stakeholder partnership and participation of the government, etc. So if I were to ask you to say three things, uh, if it were in your wish list, that would make waste processing make economic sense and make this viable uh, to address the problems that you identify. Let's look at, because different waste types have different processing. So I think for composting, we find that when people compost at home, it only takes a very small little pot to do that composting. It's actually the most viable because waste shrinks down to less than about 20%, even at my house. And everyone has two or three pots in which you can put it. Of course, I just take it and put it in the, you know, a silk cotton tree downstairs and hope that that tree flourishes and gives me beautiful red flowers. Sometimes I put it in the people kapir. That's one. Otherwise, I think... Um, it's also viable if, we can, if the capital costs are paid for. Uh, many, uh, many people can't afford the capital costs, but the running costs they can, to actually compost in your neighborhood or your RWA or your market association. So I think that goes for wet waste. And that includes restaurants who've, you know, some of the nicest restaurants have been deeply interested in composting and talk to Chintan. And imagine for two years, the problem we found is that we're not able to find a space that's viable because there's a cost to composting and they're willing to pay it, but it still has to be within limits. So hopefully after COVID, uh, a solution we found will roll out and uh, we can actually do that. But talking about, say, paper and uh, cardboard and so on, it is uh, financially viable. That's why you don't see paper and plastic lying all over the streets. You only see... Uh, certain uh, kinds of non-recyclable stuff lying all over. So, 
you paper and plastic becomes recyclable because and it's cost effective because when you take uh, when you throw it your waste picker will segregate it into something like at the very least 12 types and sell it accordingly to the recycler and the recycler will convert them not necessarily back into paper that you can use but a lot of your mithai ka dabbas a lot of the cartons in which your andas come all these things are completely recycled but it's just that we don't notice them because they're not fancy and maybe that's an error and maybe they should start putting chasing green arrows but there's huge amount of recycling in india and there's a huge amount of recycled products that we use without acknowledging that they're recycled and plastics is now um, the third stream which is a problem because virgin materials are so cheap plastic has kind of been beaten out but we need to recycle plastic uh by subsidizing it because we know that the cost of not doing that means that we'll have more plastics than fish in the ocean by 2025 uh, sorry 2050 and we don't want that so we'll have to find ways to energize that industry which was still recycling before covid happened and before the oil prices crashed and we'll have to give various kinds of incentives and i think UNDP india has been talking about it chintan has been talking about it and that's one way to move it forward and finally electronic waste as you know it's very toxic and that really has pick my trash collects it and you know directly sells it to a authorized recycler because and that is a place where you have a lot of negative value which means people say that it costs them money to recycle a bulb rather than uh, you know give anyone money it costs them money to recycle a refrigerator or a television so those are what they call negative value items and that's why we have something called the extended producer responsibility where brands have to put in money interesting bhakti because uh, it seems to way you put it that what is really needed perhaps is something like a subsidy to address that part of the waste which is not already being taken care of by the processes of waste pickers and the ecosystem that you mentioned for instance do you think it's a good idea to have an Uh, something like an education says or a we already had we've had even diesel subsidies in the past so why can't we have a green kind of says that can help uh, composting or uh, waste processing at some level do you think it's a good idea yeah i think we um, we have to combine many instruments so i think there are certain kinds of extremely toxic materials and i think we should have a tax so that if those who still buy them uh, we have that money to first prevent their use but secondly and packaging is one of them we know from our uh, experience that um, things like thermocol don't require our you know money we need to tax them and that's called a sin tax in order for us to be able to reduce their consumption as well as handle them but essentially it's important to reduce their consumption both through taxes and legislation because just one alone doesn't uh, matter neither does uh, regulation nor does tax on its own solve the problem apart from consumer awareness and i gave the example of what happened in andhra pradesh recently where 12 people were killed because there was a explosion in a styrofoam plant uh, you know in vizag which is basically um the lg plant and what what went wrong there is uh, what we need to understand is that essentially they it's a very toxic cycle and uh, i think that's our take home taxes i think are super important but i think we have to think about what behavior they push whom to 
because we don't want a taxation that just takes a lot of money and puts it in an escrow account and it's never used again so i think it's very very important to to decide what you will tax or regulate and sometimes you may not want taxes you may want extended producer responsibility which is um, like for electronic waste which the brand manufacturers are struggling to pick up more and more and more every year so that it can be recycled and in many ways they have to pay the money for that so it's a form of indirect taxation if you will but it's more than that it it uh, it makes companies and brands uh, you know uh, align with the idea of sustainability of take back and that's one path that uh, is not a direct taxation and yet it requires companies to put in money to do the right thing that's interesting bharti that's a wonderful big picture we've covered every ground but what's most fascinating about what you said was the existence uh, outside our normalized site of a jugaad economy in uh, discarded uh, and waste products so much so that we could call it perhaps the a parallel economy of a positive kind as opposed to a black economy we have a green economy running below our surface and the waste pickers that you've been working with are an essential part of that but a lot of other holes we plugged including converting the toxic into the taxic hopefully and uh, more power to your work bharti thanks for being on the show on social group good luck thank you madhavan and thank you for putting it so well the green economy uh, i will remember this and with your permission use it more often i think uh, that is a very eloquent way of describing the informal recycling sector thank you for having me thanks bharti thank you bharti thank you so much bye bye thank you Hi. so much you were listening to social groove on red podcast